This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host. Joining me for this is going to be a match reaction, raw, angry. <laughs> Joining me, Mr. Chris Bird and Mr. Phil Hello. Shaw. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Uh, since Villa don't have to play uh, for a long time, Again. and I'm and I'm off uh, for a couple of days when I'd be editing, uh, we thought we'd get this out quickly and then do a proper show. Uh, and get that out uh, probably midweek. But we're freshly back uh, from Villa Park, uh, where Spurs came to town and uh, scored four to leave us with a uh, four-game consecutive losing streak and uh, now twiddling our thumbs uh, for a couple of weeks, uh, mulling it over before the... uh... Trip to Leicester and then Norwich at home, yeah, before a mental May period. If you've never listened to the show before, this isn't a typical show. This is just to uh, fill in the weekend before the main show because there's actually no rush to uh, get the main show out. And we wanted to wait until after the uh, embargo from the fan consultation group meeting so we can talk a little bit more freely uh, about all the issues uh, surrounding Villa, the chats we had with Perslow about the uh, transfer outlook in the summer. And just the uh, the general picture of uh, where the club actually see themselves uh, next season and in the general scheme of things. Right, Spurs. This was never going to be easy. Let's uh, face it. They were fourth in the league. Flying on form as well. Hammering teams, uh, scoring regularly. And the only uh, lineup difference was really uh, just a return. Now Wings is back. Uh, it was going back to uh, formation. It was actually starting to uh, show some uh, signs of profit wasn't it the uh, yeah. the Watkins Ings up front with Coutinho c- kind of playing uh, in between them in that kind of front three yeah I mean I, I saw that you know the team sheet popped up at half four and you thought yeah but I'm pretty glad to see we've reverted back to what was working during the three game winning streak and then you looked at the bench and thought oh yeah it's about as strong as we can be at the moment so it yeah. was, there was a, a felt positive going into it now, uh, in something for the weekend, uh, we we uh, said who were, who would we poach if we had to get w- one of their players to uh, improve our first eleven. I was very I enthused over Son. We both did. We both love him. That's why he's the captain of my f- fantasy football team. <laughs> <laughs> That's why uh, you know we know he's a good player. Put it that way. And uh, the thing I like about Son, I'll just start. Let's start from the uh, the, the end, shall we? And uh, do it in reverse order. Do it in reverse. The thing I like about him is he sniffs out danger. He's always a he's always a live threat, and when he smells blood, fucking hell, he uh, <laughs> he delivers. He's a clinical bastard, isn't he? Yeah. I say he's the most underrated player in the Premier League, but miles. One hundred percent. I mean, he he doesn't get the plaudits of all the usual suspects. Man. He's world world class. People might say it's that kind of uh, systemic racism or whatever. That 
I think the fact that he plays for Tottenham as well probably doesn't help him at the moment. Yeah. So uh, all of the all of those above reasons in the mix, but and also probably the level of his international team as well. So he doesn't get that kind of profile, which uh, sometimes and he's not, helps. And he's not, obviously, not been doing it in the Champions League last couple of years. Yeah, but uh, no, it's just you'd love a player like that who he's uh, always sniffing from you know the first minute to the last. And if he gets a if he gets a scent, then you know it's well, you know you're always yeah. in the game with a player like that. Then you? you know even if you're playing crap. Kind of like how the first half went. You know, they didn't do anything, but he got one chance and took it. And when he when he sees a claret and blue shirt, ooh, it, it <laughs> sends him into overdrive. Yeah. Brain goes banker. Well, yeah, I mean, spoiler alert. What was the stats at the end? Three shots, three on target, three goals. See you. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Thanks for the uh, yeah. hospitality. Seventy odd minutes. I'm sitting down. Cheers. But anyway, so the first goal sets the tone. But then uh, Villa kind of kicked into life. But I just something I spotted in the first five minutes, and something we've touched on before, and, and it's something that kind of just made me feel we've this isn't going to work out. This current team will not ultimately work out. So the summer is key. Is just the physicality. The size, the, every Profile Spurs player, cool. every Spurs player was two, three inches taller across the board Broader, on average. Quicker, with tougher. It stank a bit of that first half to me. Was like a man's team playing a decent under twenty threes team who are uh, let's let's say uh, well, pretty smart in possession. What well, was like Liverpool against our team in the FA Cup last season? Yeah. Where the other teams like kind of bamboozling them, but ultimately every time there's a 50-50, Spurs won it. Obviously, Kane and Son are on the same wavelength, and and that showed so many times. I mean, you know, hence the goals. When Villa did similar things, they might have mislaid passes or the runner wasn't running and the pass went forward without anybody chasing after it. Not on the same wavelength whatsoever. But it was the physicality that that got me just quicker, stronger and all on the same wavelength. And I'm thinking, ultimately, we won't beat teams like this. Not consistently. You won't compete consistently with it. I mean, you looked at what Arsenal did to us. and they That was a controlled 1-0 win, and they suffocated us yeah. and snuffed us out because they shut down that zone in front of the back four. Spurs didn't. Spurs got wise half-time, didn't they? First half, we ran through Bentacore and Hjolberg in the middle of the park. And when we, when we do that, you can see that's how Gerrard wants to play. It's very narrow, but when you play through that press, then you're onto the back four and we look good. But then they got. But, they got I, but I was surprised why uh, why they didn't realise that because uh, I mean they obviously Conti flagged it at half time and uh, they knew that Coutinho was just getting too much of the ball around the shoulder for forty five minutes. Yeah, exactly. And and it's like if you're playing Villa at Villa Park, all you've got to do is you've got to close that space, that hole in front of their back four. They got wise to that quickly. And then they got the second goal at the perfect time, really, and that killed the game and absolutely knocked the confidence, the stuffing out of the team. I think you know, when you've had a first half where you're kind of going in going, A, how are we not level? B, how are we not about 4-1 up? You're just expecting them going, well, they're going to either have a spell or they're going to get a chance. And then the first chance that popped up, they buried it, and you kind of thought, well, that's the game. And as much as you know, the most rose tint, sorry, you know, claret, claret and blue tinted spectacles will say, oh, you know, we played really well. You kind of know how fo- the footballing gods work, and you think if you miss that many chances against a team yeah. that's got Kane and Son in, they'll get a chance and they'll take it. The fact that they did it to like, the extreme levels of clinicalness they did, I think, makes it a bit of a freak second half. But 
You can't say Villa didn't get what they deserved. There was another narrative to that game, which uh, I don't believe is uh, uh, true because you've got to give credit to what Villa were doing and, and they were exploiting uh, Spurs' uh, let's say lack of homework. Was They got the early goal, which can happen, and then it's uh, almost like they went all Italian. Because yeah. I'm looking at Conte and I'm thinking, they've just gone Italian. They're letting Villa have the ball, which might be a discredit to Villa, as I've just said. I'm saying it's just one version of what you could say was what happened. And then, uh, as I say to my friend at the end of the game, it's like, it's almost like they scored. And then they thought, right, we're going to give you the ball. See what you can do for 45 minutes. And uh, by the way, if you don't do anything, we're going to fuck you in the second half. (laughs) So the halftime whistle went and they went, all right, lads, uh, you're fucked. That's, second half kicks off they score straight away and it's game over I mean, the first goal was, was very similar to the first goal away at Southampton big long ball up the up the top not dealt with and just dispatched straight away and it's it's such a shock but at least this time you know Villa did counter that with you know yeah. effort I mean I almost lost count of the amount of chances in the first half I mean oh, the, they ridiculous. came up against Lloris and World Cup winning form. Well, that that was the thing. I mean, the Italian narrative I've just given you, uh, I, I don't think it's a full picture at all because uh, if you look at the uh, the interviews with uh, Loris and Son after the game, they admit to actually being blitz and they had to make adjustments at halftime uh, because uh, they said since Conte has taken over at Spurs, they haven't experienced that much, uh, that many shots against them. No. So give Villa credit where it's due. We did take it to them. But, uh, I mean, the the Ramsey uh, save was uh, incredible. Incredible save. Yeah. Was it was it Coutinho's free kick where he, it looked like it was going in and yeah, just somehow kept it out, hit the bar post or whatever it right was? Right in the stroke of half-time, yeah. Yeah, there's the Ings chance at the back post where if he hits the target, he scores. Watkins header, there's the cash one where he saves well. Multiple Because when, when you're a goalkeeper and uh, you start to build up those amount of saves, like really good saves, it starts to inspire you more and more, right, I'm having a clean sheet here. These saves aren't going to nothing. I want a clean sheet at the end of this. And he knows that, of course, if his attacking guys get a chance, they'll bury it and they'll kill the game for him. Yeah. And then they kind of saw out the last, what, half an hour embarrassingly easily because Villa were just, you know, their confidence was just shot by that point. I think the belief was drained out of them by the second goal. By the third one, it was just like you could see people leaving. Just coming up, I mean... First goal was talked about. Second goal, not it was great. A good finish, to be fair. It was a good finish, but Kane schooled Cash and Konza just at the same time, drew, drew them both in and just laid it off to Kovaleski, who, who had a very good game. He's a very impressive player, despite his hair colour. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, the, the third goal was the one that got me because it was just so easy. The ball was to Kane in the halfway line. I mean, Kane's not going to do anything with it in the halfway line unless you rush in on him. Konza rushed in on him and you can just see, he took a look over his shoulder, seen Son on the run, and just flicked it on for him. I mean, it's telepathic, those two. I mean, it's, it's very hard to play against. Yeah. Although at that stage, at 2-0, I, I mean, I, I turned to uh, my friend and said, this is uh, this has got 4-0 written all over it. And, you know, as Chris said, the, uh, the football gods, if you miss that many chances, it's it's not your day, really, is it? No. And, uh, you know, Loris play, played a massive, you know, I would probably... Best say man of, the, man of the match, I would say, uh, in, you know, Son's got a bloody hat-trick. But uh, I think if that game could have been over before Son mm-hmm. uh, started to, you know, it could have yeah. been 2-1 Villa before he you know, um, put his second two in. I'd actually go as far as to say, and this is this is over a long period of time, it's probably the best goalkeeping performance we've seen at Villa Park since that lad for Bristol City during that 10-game run. If you remember where we had about 10 shots and he made 10 worldly yeah. saves in that game, we ended up winning it. But he, he was like unbelievable. He was about 16, 17-year-old goalkeeper. 
It was that sort yeah. of level. You just thought everything I remember we hit. a really good uh, Schmeichel display, uh, the younger Schmeichel yeah. for Leicester. I think it was in the FA Cup. We, we played him in the league in the FA Cup very short space of time. I think it was the FA Cup. I mean, we won, but he, he, he was spectacular on that day, just in terms of shot stopping. Mm-hmm. But Laurie's here, some of those... Saves. I mean, Ramsey couldn't. You always know when it's a good save. It's when the uh, the, the the person who took the shot can't believe it, and you just yeah. see the disbelief in their face. I bet mean, you, you know you sort of you take the first half as a positive. You think, well, what more could Villa have done? I don't think they could have done more. It's just one of those days where it, it ain't going to go in. Yeah, well, I mean, it was the, it was the first time you can sort of see, like we were talking about earlier, what. If it works perfectly for the the Gerard tactic or the Gerard formation, you see there was a couple of times where the ball went from Dean all the way across the box and went to Cash, and Cash had the shot and he was unlucky twice. Um, the midfield that we've maligned for months now, you know, played well in the first half. There was a couple of misplaced passes here and there, but overall they they had the Spurs midfield. You know, I think they were shadows. allowed to. I think mm. you can take that both ways, kind of. Yeah. Way. I think when when our guys are given time, space, and the opportunity, like let's be frank, most reasonably good players in the Premier League they're going to cause problems but Tottenham got wise to it and I think we just they, they let us have the ball uh, probably too much they were a bit passive in the middle in of the park in many areas I mean around the halfway line they didn't care if we had the ball and in the first half and that's why uh, that's what I was saying about that the Italian narrative it's like let them yeah. have the ball and I, th- I think the, the, the fullbacks bombing on helped um, I think it Second half, you saw that for the negative side where we you know, Spurs had turned over the ball, hit us on the break and score. So there was two sides. And obviously, yet again, we've lost Luca Dina to injury. Yeah. And pro- What's his problem now? Probably broke, this time. Broke, probably a broken collarbone. That'll be yeah, his season done. Sake. That was actually, for 45 minutes, that was actually probably Dina's best game in a Villa shirt as well so far. Yeah, there was still a bit of, I mean, because he hasn't been in the team regularly, there was a bit of miscommunication mm-hmm. uh, on one or two overlaps. Yeah. Uh, but... A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. In that meeting, uh, the fan consultation meeting, Perslow pretty much is giving Lang the thumbs up. 
but uh, I think at the end of the season you judge it and from today's game I'm just thinking we have wasted money at this if you judged it today we've mm-hmm. wasted money we've got we've given 30 million to player that was announced in a, a in a Jamaican garden shed and he is he's not 30 millions worth is he at all nowhere near there was a few occasions in the second I mean the, his miss at the end kind of summed up the afternoon in general yeah but a few, two or three occasions, he had the ball around the penalty area. He thought either hit it or pass it, but just don't fuck about and run, in, run back into trouble. Buendia. I like him. I think there's loads of upside on him to come in the second season. I like him uh, as part of a good team. Yeah. I'm, I'm not 100% if he's somebody who's going to take the ball by the horns and be the, the reason why we win games consistently all the time and be like a, a major, major guy. I don't know if he's got that personality. That's that's my doubt, but I like him a lot technically. Oh, yeah. But has he got the the mentality to uh, be a real winner? And, you know, when he walks on the pitch, think, I am Villa's main man here and I'm yeah. going to uh, take this game by the scruff of the neck. I don't know if he has that level and that's what's going to keep him from being world-class or international class because... Is he going to be a, a main man? In, let's just judge him on the Argentinian national team. Is he going to be a main man for Argentina or is he just going to be a squad filler chap that comes in, in and out? He, we need him to be main man. I mean, for 30 million as well. He wants something for that money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Ings today. Uh, I think he probably needs a run of games. You can cut him some slack there. But there was chances he, he should have scored at least chances. one. There was, there was the yeah. really clever free kick, wasn't there, from Coutinho, which no one saw happening. Yeah. So at the top, he thought Danny Ings of last season He's probably smashing that in the roof of the net. And the one at the back post. And and like clinically as yeah. well. And then there's the one where it comes to him at the back post and he fluffs his lines and you're like, oh, damn. Yeah. I think the, the problem with things is if you take out what his actual job is, scoring goals, put that in brackets, he, the rest of his performance, what he, what he you know, you're not expecting him to do is actually very good. He was, mm-hmm. pre- he was cutting, you know, he was, he was actually doing defensive work up front. He was playing it through to players and everything else. He was playing in that hole where you, you think the Buendia player should play. Yeah, and it's maybe affecting his, um, you know, is <laughs> if he's only there purely to score goals, he should be almost like poaching up front. He should be just yeah. sitting there waiting on it. And it's the, the the amount of other work he's doing. It's not that he, you don't want to say that he's tired whenever it gets to him, and but he's just maybe it's maybe too much to think about. Possibly, I mean, Danu, Danu, who I go to games with, he was sort of saying that you look at the team and there'll be questions asked about a lot of them. If, you know, after a four 0 defeat, it doesn't matter. You, you obviously you're going to be evaluated, but over the longer narrative. The game was just a snapshot of where we've been at for a long time. You know, most of the things we mention in podcasts, we're talking about every week, aren't we? And I think there's a few players who will be who we have to now start looking at and going, they've had a lot of credit in the bank for quite a while for things they've done in previous seasons. Are there now big question marks next to them? I walked away from the ground today thinking, actually, yes. Even though we like them, there's big... And, I, and it was the first time I actually thought, big question mark about the manager... This, this isn't a Gerard out rant before anyone piles in on it, but he's been here long enough to kind of implemented certain fundamentals that don't appear to be there yet. And if you can't, you know, you look at some of those players who we think might not be there in the summer, there's guys who could actually potentially go and play at bigger clubs than Villa individually, but collectively yeah. he's not getting the best out of them. And that's on him and his staff. There's arguments, great. well, you know, uh, Gerard's got a system and uh, he needs his own players to do it and these aren't the players. Well, we're here in the here and now yeah, here. Exactly. And you make my, a system my criticism, that works with what you've got. My criticism of Gerard is 
you've got these players find the best system to play these players agreed wholeheartedly because that whole midfield recently i mean spurs let us have the ball today but that whole midfield uh, does not work with this fullbacks situation where they're the furthest you know sometimes our highest up the pitch attacking threat it just leaves us far too vulnerable and time game after game we're getting caught out and that is our big vulnerability and the reason why we've uh, lost games because the fullbacks are too far up and then suddenly uh, the centre-backs are at ship creek covering too much and the defensive mid you know field is nowhere to be seen you know and our last gasp tackles are in the uh, the opponent's half mm-hmm. and uh, suddenly there's three four of the opposition marauding over the halfway line with uh, a couple of uh, center backs just to get through yeah i've said it a, a number of times for a while now and i i really do believe it that's more, on gerard yeah the more the more exactly, exactly the more and more i see it, it is on gerard because it feels like philosophy football versus winning football and at the moment villa are all about philosophy football not winning football we're ineffective and it's like, it's all right to begin with if you think the first four games, yeah, when it clicks, blah, blah, blah. But we're now we're in, you know, we're sort of getting towards the middle of April and we're talking about the same things we've been talking about since like November. Um, and it is a worry because, you know, you want to go into next season going, oh, this is the way we play. When it works, a little bit of tweaking, it'll work. And we've sort of tried to give them the benefit of the doubt and go, Maybe it is one player, two players. I still think it actually potentially is. but I don't think it is. You look at the profile of that team, it's not strong enough yeah, to consistently get, was, compete. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree with that because I think all of a sudden, you every, every, every week that goes by, every match, we're asking bigger questions about players who've been, who have been big players for us. I'm talking Mings and Konza, John McGinn. McGinn. Douglas Louise is the obvious question mark that I think every fan every fan in the ground has a huge question mark and has had all season. But to Louise's credit, sorry, just to interrupt, to Louise's credit, I mean, the thing after Spurs went 1-0 up, the thing that was frustrating the shit out of people in the ground was, uh, this is after five minutes of Villa really going for it, and, you know, having Louise pull off all these worldies, was all these Spurs players that started to lie down oh, and roll around yeah. and... It, People getting off their seats, and they, if they could have pitchforks and storm uh, the field, they would have. And in the second half, uh, and the referee again, again, I don't know. Louise what picked the, the lad up, didn't he? Louise went over to him and just picked him up, and you know, got a round of applause for that. And it was yeah. like, yeah, exactly. Finally, this he gets it. He gets it. I mean, I, I was joking to my friend. I'm going to take a, a fishing rod to uh, the games in future. So every time there's an opposition player, you know, lying on the floor, rolling around, just like. Whoosh, cast it off and then just lift him up back onto his feet. <laughs> and to be fair to the team, actually, first half, after the non-event at Wolves, especially in the first half, you could see they had a reaction to what Gerard had said and they were flying into tackles and there was there was a bit of spice in the game, which we haven't really seen too much of, especially at Villa Park this year. They've been quite yeah. placid matches. And I think, actually, because a lot of the Spurs lads were rolling around a lot, um, after, I mean, there was the, the very early one from Matty Cash, wasn't there, that there was a proper like enforcer tackle yeah. that was just like, leave your foot in, take a bit of the ball, a whole lot of the man yeah. Mings had one as well and because we, it yeah. was similar to the one a couple of weeks ago with Saka it was strange that the thing that lifted the crowd and got the team going was actually the referee infuriating them yeah and that was the only thing getting the crowd going I mean my friend who uh, is not a Villa fan he's not a Spurs fan either he, he kept pointing at that 12th man's uh, sign on the 
on the whole and go, what, you know, what the fuck's that? There's like, there's, there's nothing from them. And I said, yeah, well, there's a bit of a debate about uh, the atmosphere here, but it's kind of, that's Premier League football for you nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get worse because prices are going up despite what's happening on the pitch. And uh, that's going to freeze out a lot of uh, young fans because their prices are potentially going up the most. And as with as always with Villa, their PR timing is predictably disastrous. When you go and lose a game in the manner Villa did today, and everyone will walk away from the ground going, "I'm why the fuck am I paying X yeah. percent more to watch no progression?" Yeah, that's just divided that waiting list by two. Yeah, just I'm back on Jared. My main problem with Jared is the sort of like the disconnect from what you see on the pitch to what he says before and after the games. Yeah. Because looking at Jared, yeah. I I don't know whether it's an age thing being close in age to age than myself. It's like he seems to look at the game the same way I do. I mean, he clearly identifies what's wrong and what has happened. I mean, he goes, he's just not getting a tune out of him, and he, he has goes, to. Yeah, he goes to the second half. Spurs made the game all about our our back line. I mean, anybody could have told you that. So you're looking at it going, yes. Good, Jared. That's exactly what I said. And then you just think to yourself, "Well, you didn't change it. You didn't. You didn't do anything." I mean, Conza. I don't want to single him out, but he had a stinker. He had an absolute stinker the whole yeah, game. Again. I mean, you could you could have hooked him for Chambers at halftime. I mean, is he is he going by the law of averages that if he makes you know two mistakes, that's his mistakes for the day done? He's not going to make any more. Well, we've seen that before. You can fellow players can make any amount of mistakes in ninety minutes. You just look down the the team and go well he's, he's identified a weakness there he's called it out after the game well why is the same weakness there the next week I mean play yeah this is this is my argument about Gerard. Yeah. It, it, it comes to a point when when it's it was, it was the it was kind of the undoing of Smith in the end as well whether it's the team personal I don't know but when you're when you're seeing the same mistakes week in week out and they're not being rectified that's the sort yeah. of shit where owners on the other side of the world are looking at it going hang on a minute hang on a minute <laughs> what are we what are you doing here Day in, day out. Is, is, is there a fundamental reason why you aren't getting a tune out of what you've got? Lest we forget, the vast majority of this squad were a team that was sat in sixth position in the table last season at Christmas. These are not bad players, but is it a bad team? Yes. Collectively, it's not working. Phil, didn't you say this in your Good, Bad and Ugly article on the website? Yes, the the broken record technique. Of, the broken record, yeah. yeah. Yep. Just carrying on the same thing again. And the only thing it comes down to is he, he just doesn't trust the players that aren't on the pitch enough to change it. I mean, that's it's a, it's a very short-sighted way of looking at football management. It's like, right, I'm in here. All this rubbish that you've bought isn't anything to do with me. I'll limp on to the end of the season and get in who I want. I mean, it's not a sustainable way to run a football team. To, to, to me, that's somebody who has fuck all empathy. I'm sorry to say it so bluntly. Fuck all empathy with a club in the level at Villa at. It's somebody who's going, well, I've been at fucking Liverpool my whole career. We're challenging at the top. I've been at Rangers, which it's a different wicket up there. It's a different kind of pressure. But fundamentally, you've got the best resources in that division by quite some way. It's come to Villa and it's like, wow, this is a, you've said it numerous times, David, this is the hardest gig he'll probably get because the expectation is high. The resources he's got are high, but you've got to get a tune out of the collective and, he, and he's not. The aims of Villa, as we uh, as we as we stand, is to be the best of the rest outside yeah. that top six, and then you reassess the situation, and then the plans are how do we break into that top six? So that's where we're at. And to be honest, they're throwing enough money at it. They're doing all the right things off the field, aren't they? Up until one point, uh, it was Watkins that was our. Uh, record signing and then we suddenly uh, bought three players for I think more money than Watkins so we've gone up a level in terms of spending so in terms of being the best of the rest we're certainly financially uh, throwing money at it as well 
But I'm saying, you know, as we've just said, I don't think Gerard, even if, you know, if you haven't got the players in to play your system, whatever that is, and, and we in previous podcasts have doubts whether that's actually going to work in the Premier League. It's one thing working in the Scottish Premier League where you, your opposition is not as good. And uh, I mean, immediately, uh, was it last, in the, I think it was in the, uh, the Mom's Patreon podcast when we were in one of the podcasts, we extra podcasts we did where we we're talking about what a you know, Villa essentially need and we were talking about the midfielder and I, I said, I don't, I don't think that missing link of the uh, defensive midfielder is that isn't the missing link. I said we need two bigger, mm-hmm. more physical, all-round number eight midfielders to either play both play at the same time or you know basically enhance the match day well, squad need, as you well. You need an engine room. Yeah, seriously, to give ourselves some uh, traction in any game against yeah. whoever, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, profile of team you're actually playing, whether it's one of the top four powerhouse teams or uh, a, a team where those say two midfielders can control and dictate against the lesser teams yeah and we're, and we're talking of a decent level and uh because you looked at that midfield and it's and it is I mean, even my friend who had never seen villa before said that you know why, why are villa players all smaller than the spurs ones and it, it does come across across 90 minutes it impacts yeah it's just it's like do you use like a boxing analogy of villa or just like they like have a glass jaw that's i mean they've all this fancy footwork and yeah. throw, throwing it's a all, analogy actually for yeah, you throwing, throwing all the punches and everything else but all another team needs to do is just wait and like right hit them once bang legs are gone villa are on the back foot on the ropes and <laughs> that's it just gone <laughs> Yeah, let's leave it there. Uh, I wanted this to be a, a shorter uh, podcast just because of the time uh, restraints uh, in terms of getting it out. But we will be back uh, with a main show uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, in the meantime, uh, please do uh, subscribe to uh, Aston Villa. Dot WTF, which uh, is actually a newsletter, but it's also kind of a, a blog on its own. It's kind of my uh, personal blog i've just had enough of just like the whole clickbait culture and all the, the kind of social media farts that always villa farts that pop up and it's just a way of cutting through uh the bullshit and giving you the, the kind of real issues and uh, what's kind of going on behind the scenes so uh, the next one will no doubt uh talk a, a little bit about uh what christian perslow was saying in terms of uh expectations and also uh the summer window etc and and a uh, little bit more of a sprinkle of information about the North Stand uh, expansion, which uh, the first edition of uh, Stavilla.wtf uh, was all about, which all checked out, by the way. Well done. Mm-hmm. Well, it was alpha. Is it alpha or canon information? What's the terms that uh, the kids use nowadays? Canon? Can- alpha? Yeah, can- canon's probably good. Alpha's kind of a crypto thing, while canon's more of a, is it a gaming, uh, like films, or lore as well? That's another <laughs> thing. Anyways, uh, please do uh, follow the podcast on uh, whatever app you are using because that will give you a notification for when the uh, the next main show uh, pops which uh, will be midweek sometime and uh, in the next main show i'll also do uh, the new uh, my old man said patrons uh, who have uh, signed up in the last week or so so uh, shout out to uh, those people uh, in the next show and uh, if you want to be included uh, and also get access to uh, the up and coming uh, extra podcasts that are coming out and join us in uh, match club for the leicester game uh, please do uh, consider becoming a patron by going to uh, myomansaid.com and uh, clicking on the patron link there it's uh, on the menu bar if you're on a mobile device just go to those three lines in the corner and click there and it should be uh, popping up there and don't forget do subscribe to uh, astonvilla.wtf as well any 
final words, gents? Sums up, sums up the season, doesn't it? Yet again, loads of positives, but undermined by shooting ourselves in the foot. Undermined by a glass jaw. Yeah. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.